Welcome back. Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show. It's good to have you. Good to have you. 877-867-1670. 877-867. That's the phone number to get a hold of us. Uh, once we open the phone lines back up right now, though, we bring in our guy, Mark Schofield, SB Nation, at Mark Schofield. You can find him over there on Twitter as well. Mark, uh, we got all kinds of excitement now in Packerland because some people are starting to become believers. Others are saying, wait until they get past the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we're waiting to see if the, uh, the the Washington Commanders are going to lose one more. But give me your thoughts because there is this sentimentality that the Packers are screwing things up if they actually make it to the postseason. I don't necessarily see it. I understand some of the logic, but uh, I think it's kind of weak for fans to root for your team not to make it to the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look around the NFC right now, Bill, this might be the kind of year to just get it and give yourself a puncher's chance. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, obviously, we were talking about how the Philadelphia Eagles are the most complete team in football. They can beat you a bunch of different ways. They're figuring out things on the defensive side of the ball, particularly up front with slowing down and stopping the run, getting Jordan Davis back. But now, you know, with Jalen Hurts and the shoulder injury, you're seeing some reports today that, you know, maybe they do shut him down and they bring him back for their first playoff game, whether that's wildcard weekend or if they do indeed get the top overall seed. Who knows what Hurts looks like when he comes back? So much of what they do offensively starts with him both in the run game and the passing game. You know, when you look down the other list of contenders, you know, whether it's Dallas, their offense seems to be clicking a little bit better right now, but their defense has given up some plays over the past couple of weeks. So you wonder how strong they are top to bottom. You know, Minnesota, we've talked about them since the summer, Bill, and some weeks they look great, some weeks they sort of leave your head in. What version of the Vikings are you going to see started this week, obviously, against Green Bay, San Francisco, top defense in the league. Yes, they got certainly have playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, but you're doing it with a rookie quarterback who is the last player drafted. So given that the NFC is wide open, when you have a team like the Packers, it seems to be clicking on the offensive side of the ball. Watching that game against Miami, you know, you're seeing Aaron Rodgers sort of feeling it again, making some throws off platform, flicking the wrist and putting the ball wherever he wants. The defense was disruptive at times. Started up front, why it looked good with some, you know, pressure and some production uh, up front for this defense. Obviously, the turnovers at the end of the game, and you know, maybe Tua and his health had something to do with that. But with how the NFC seems to be wide open, at least right now, it seems to me this is the year that hey, find a way to get in, give yourself a puncher's chance. Maybe you can make a deep run because if you're putting it together at the right time and starting to play your best football as December turns to January, it's not a bad time to try to make that run. The, uh, you mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles and, and shutting down Jalen Hurts until the first game uh, of the postseason. Uh, you know, for the uh, shoulder injury that he has, first of all, I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, if he can come back fresh and his legs are fresh and such, he, he becomes almost just, uh, you know, you would assume unstoppable if he's got fresh legs, for God's sakes, because the guy runs all over the place. But the question is, how much rust? How, how Is there statistics to sit there and say, you know what, if you shut a guy down for three, four, five weeks and then all of a sudden throw him, into the mix of the postseason, is that detrimental? Should should guys play that last game before they, you know, take some time off going into the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I've never seen sort of a study on it. I'm sure that somebody's done it, or if not, you could probably put one together about, you know, sitting players down, resting starters, you know, resting them, whether it's for one week and you have to play wild card weekend or maybe two weeks, you know, if you got to buy. Obviously, in this case with Hurts, it'd be five weeks from what he last played against the Bears until their division around game should that Eagles end up with the bye. And, 
you know, the top overall seed in the NFC. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure that there have been some teams where it's worked for them. I'm sure there have been some quarterbacks where that rust was a factor and it took them a while to get back into the flow of the game. And when you're talking about playoff football, if you don't sort of start moving and clicking, say, until late second quarter, early third, it might be too late then. And so I, dependent on where he is health-wise, obviously that's the primary concern, but they might want to run him out there for a drive or two, even if it's just week 18, you know, just to sort of get him back into the flow of things because, you know, that's an offense that, again, starts with Jalen Hurts both as a runner and a thrower. And if you can sort of knock that rust off a little bit, you know, give him the sort of opportunity to prepare for a game, take those snaps, get his legs wet a little bit, and then, you know, shut him down and make sure that he's ready to go come playoff time, it's probably the smart approach. But it will all depend on that shoulder injury because, you know, when you have that sort of shoulder joint injury, you know, that's not something that goes away easily, you know. And if he takes a hit, you know, if you get some wear and tear on that again, it could be something that lingers. And so they're going to have to handle it from a medical approach in the best way possible for him, both for the short and the long term. Uh, I want to go back to the Packer game on Sunday because the argument, speaking of quarterbacks that are banged up, Tua comes in on Monday and says uh, he has a concussion. Uh, We believe it happened midway through the second quarter, not quite sure. Everybody's done the comparison of numbers and such, uh, his statistics, throwing the ball, three interceptions late in the game. Uh, The one thing I will say is the Packers did make a couple of adjustments that were noticeable in that game. They began to stuff the run. They concentrated on Mostert. Uh, They did make some adjustments in the secondary as well. Did Tua throw that game away, though, or did the Packers just play better down in Miami? I think it's more that the Packers played better. And, you know, watching Tua on Sunday, rewatching that game, well, you know, earlier this week, and I took another look at it this morning before coming on, you could tell that the pressure was starting to sort of get to him. He was making a lot, you know, this is an offense that does a very good job at scheming some things open for him, giving him some defined reads, but he was even speeding himself up a little bit more in that second half. You know, I think it was the second interception where he's throwing that seam route to the right side of the field, and he lets it go before the receivers even thought of looking for the ball. He just wants that ball out of his hands. Now, maybe he's trying to take advantage of what he saw in the secondary, but there's an underneath defender reading his eyes but he was throwing that seam route as quickly as possible to get that ball out of his hand. It was the same with the, the final interception late in the game when they had a chance to perhaps take the lead, hit his drop, ball came out immediately, and the corner was right there sort of waiting on it, that curl flat defender. So it seems like the pressure that the Packers were starting to put on him, you know, it was starting to speed up his internal clock a little bit, and it led to some of these turnovers. Now, whether you think that's too a throw in the game or where I sit, it's a situation where – I'm always of the mindset, Bill, that pressure is productive. Even if you don't get home on a quarterback, say, in a play in the first quarter, if you keep getting near him, if you keep sort of pressuring him, that's going to speed the quarterback's internal clock up. He's going to start getting the ball out quicker and quicker. So even if you're not getting home for sacks, those pressures mount up. It's like a boxer, those body blows in the first couple of rounds, they start to wear on that opponent. It's the same thing with the quarterback. You pressure him early in the game, it's going to lead to a sped-up internal clock and some opportunities late in the game for interceptions. Uh, I want to get back into the rest of the NFC. Now uh, they're changing. They're going to Carson Wentz over Taylor Tyler Heineke. Give me your thoughts there because Carson Wentz, is he the better quarterback? Is he the way the way to go as far as trying to get a couple of wins out of the commanders? Obviously the Packers need the commanders to lose and the Packers to win to get themselves in the postseason. I mean, he's the more talented quarterback than Taylor Heineke. I mean, I think if you're just sort of studying them 
on our traits-based examination and just looking at, you know, arm talent, athleticism, things like that, you know, Wentz is the more talented of the two. Obviously, one was drafted in the top of the first round, the other one undrafted. But I, I think this is also a nod towards Heineke had started to turn the ball over. He had started to sort of press a little bit, try a little bit too much to make things happen, some fumbles, some interceptions. And Washington is in a scenario now where they have almost no margin for error. They have to play clean football. They have to win out. And, you know, they can get in, you know, all the sort of scenarios. There are There is at least one or two pathways where they can get in with just, you know, one win out of the last two weeks. But they've got to play clean football. Haneke has not done that in recent weeks. And Wentz is perhaps an opportunity to get back to doing that. Now, whether that actually happens, of course, is the ultimate question because we've seen from Wentz, yes, there are times when he plays mistake-free football and he can guide his team to some wins. But he, too, is prone to pressing, trying to do too much, trying to create too much, trying to play some hero ball where, you know, he starts throwing into triple coverage and he gets his teams into trouble. And, you know, people point to the fact that, oh, you know, last year with the Colts, just seven interceptions. But when you see some of those, it's an issue of him trying to do too much when you have to win games and you need to sort of, you know, find a way to lead your team to victories to get into the playoffs. Does Wentz rein that in or do we see him start to force throws again? So I, I think he's the more talented quarterback, but whether this decision pans out or not ultimately depends on which version of Wentz you're going to get. Talking with uh, Mark Schofield of SB Nation going through the NFL, the uh, the firing of Nathaniel Hackett. Now the question is, who's going to take that job? A lot of people talking about Sean, Sean Payton possibly wanting to go there, maybe not because of Russell Wilson. I can't imagine a coach saying, I don't want a job because of a quarterback that they have and what they're tied to. But then again, if you know you're not going to have any success and ultimately going to be fired, I mean, the money's guaranteed, but the smirch on the record may not be in slate. Or Sean uh, Payton could probably go anywhere he wants to go at the end of the season. How do you see all that playing out in uh, in Denver with uh, Russell Wilson just playing an awful, awful season? Yeah, and, you know, there's been some thought since the Hackett fire, and even really before that, that, you know, maybe even though the finances are what they are, Denver might just have to sort of swallow the medicine and move on potentially with sort of a post-June 1st designation. It'd still be a big cap hit, you know, in the next two seasons and it really sort of limit what they can do. But the version of Russell Wilson we've seen this year, and frankly, during the end of his time in Seattle, probably not the quarterback that you really want to move forward with. You know, maybe the money is just such that they're going to have to try to make it work next year and then try to give themselves an out when it's a tiny bit more manageable. Now, the thing that really I'm, I'm wondering about, you know, we see so often organizations, they, they hire in cycles, right? You have a defensive-minded coach, you move on from him, you hire an offensive-minded coach. You move on from that, you go back to the defensive side of the ball. We've seen Vic Fangio, the defensive-minded coach. Now we've got Nathaniel Hackett, who's the offensive-minded guy coming in. They move on from him. Do they go back to the defensive side of the ball? There are some candidates there. Their own defensive coordinator is certainly going to be the mix because he's built one of the league's best defenses this year in Denver. Now, he apparently was approached to be the interim head coach, and he decided to turn that down and focus on the defense. You know, maybe he becomes their head coach next year. Maybe not. Maybe it's a a Dan Quinn. Um, You know, Demeco Ryans, for example, in San Francisco, another name that's going to be part of that head coaching hiring cycle. So maybe they go defensive. Maybe they go offensive yet again. You know, there are some names that will be out there that, you know, perhaps will be in the mix. Shane Steichen, for example, in Philadelphia, maybe it's too early for him. There might be some other offensive-minded coaches. But the big decision is Wilson. Do you ride it out another year with him and hope you can sort of fix him? 
the ownership has said that that's what they believe. The general manager has said that they can, you know, get to where they need to with Russell Wilson. That's the big question. Can you get enough out of him to justify the big contract next year? Or do they decide, look, this is just not working. We'll take our medicine and move on and just absorb the cap hit and the numbers are what they are. Uh, real quick before I let you go, obviously Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, all right there in the AFC. Baltimore right now without Lamar Jackson, who probably going to miss this week. They've already announced that Tua will not play this week. Miami sitting in the seventh seed right now. Chargers now are in. Give me your thoughts on the way the AFC is shaken up. And they've got a big game with Bill Belichick coming up this week as well, as uh, he absolutely positively has to get a win to remain in the hunt for a, a postseason. Otherwise, you could find the Patriots on the outside looking in. I think it's ludicrous that people actually suggest that Bill Belichick be replaced, but that is some of the rumblings going on right now because they're not used to losing in New England. Give me, give me your thoughts in the AFC right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of frustration in New England with what you've seen from that team this season, what you've seen particularly from the offense. There are rumblings that, you know, the Mike Patricia experiment as offense coordinator, de facto offensive coordinator, has sort of resulted in a regression from Matt Jones, who has not looked anything like the quarterback we saw last year. And there are certainly discussions already about perhaps Bill O'Brien coming back as offensive coordinator for next season. There's a bit of a relationship there between the two because Mac Jones helped O'Brien when he first came to Alabama, sort of taught him that Crimson Tide playbook. And, but it has set up for the Patriots, again, you know, the, the Tua injury, certainly a scary situation, but now they're going to get to go get Teddy Bridgewater. This week they get Buffalo next week. Buffalo could theoretically clinch home field advantage this week. It would take a Kansas City loss to Denver, but, you know, there's a chance that Buffalo is not really – doesn't have much to play for next week. Maybe it's a slim chance, but there's a chance. So it's actually set up, despite all of these struggles, rather well for the Patriots to somehow get in as the seventh seed. Of course, they haven't played well. You know, you have the meltdown at the end of the game against the Raiders. You fought back to get into a position to win that game against Cincinnati, but you have a fumble. They're struggling on offense. The defense is great, but can you get enough out of the offense in the quarterback position? But it has set up well for them to perhaps sneak in after all. Good stuff as always, Mark. We all certainly appreciate it. We'll talk again next week, and we'll have one more week left before we hit the postseason. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. Can't wait, Bill. Always fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We'll talk next week. Happy New Year to you and yours. I was just going to say, have a great Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Bill. There you go. There you go. Mark Schofield uh, of SB Nation joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I love going out throughout the entire NFL with him. There's so much in the NFL to talk about. You know, uh, the, the, the big question in Denver is, is Russell Wilson just a mess? And is Seattle, for what they, they got for, for him, in probably knowing that he was starting to fall off the table, I mean, because Russell Wilson was always at his best when he was in scramble mode. You know, he was making things happen with both his legs and his arm. Now his arm and the accuracy and the strength seemingly gone. And is it because Nathaniel Hackett and the offense and they can't get on the same page? Or is it because Russell Wilson has just flat out fallen off the table? Just just, just hit the wall as a quarterback in the National Football League. And that's the big question out there. Obviously, you got a lot of questions going on over in the AFC as well. Everything pretty much locked up. you got the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Chargers are all right there. Jacksonville still fighting. Dolphins still fighting. New England still fighting. The Jets are still fighting. A lot of the Tennessee, Pittsburgh still all at 7-8 and eight on the season trying to get themselves in 
to the postseason. The last couple of weeks are going to be relatively exciting when it comes down to the very, the very uh, end of all of this. And then you go to the NFC, obviously what's going on with Seattle and Detroit and Green Bay. And if Green Bay wins out, can the Commanders lose one more? And the Packers then find themselves as the seventh seed going in, playing the Minnesota Vikings up at U.S. Bank Stadium and Wild Card Weekend. And, oh, my goodness, could that possibly happen? I mean, so many things to think about, and it's it's incredibly exciting. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Uh, we got some uh, NFL PA news when we come back. Uh, we'll get back into the question of the day, as some of you – uh, are really pissed, really pissed uh, when you start talking about some fans wanting the Packers not to make it to the postseason for the reasons that they have and others saying that you're absolutely crazy, wanting them to get to the postseason. we got a lot to discuss in that realm. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Skipper Buds. And I know you're not thinking about, you know, probably a, a boat right now, but you start now that we get past the new year. And also, by the way, uh, the days are going to start getting a little bit longer, which is nice. Nice. We've already gone through that rough stretch where the days are, you know, 4.30, all of a sudden it's dark out. Now you start thinking about the summer and what the summer could possibly bring. Could it bring, say, you know, a yacht, pontoon, sporting deck boat, fishing boat, jet boat, whatever it happens to be? Yes, the best in water sports right there at Skipper Buds. Cruisers, Four Winds, Mastercraft, Taiga, Scarab, Starcraft. They have a lot of different deals going on right now if you check out their Facebook page as well. But you get a hold of my buddy Todd, you call him, 262-544-1200. 262-544-1200. You say, hey, look, I'm looking for a boat for the upcoming year. Maybe I'm thinking about trading mine in. Right now, when the snow and the ice is all right here, and not a lot of people are thinking about summer, this is the best time to buy, believe it or not. The best time to buy. Call them, 262-544-1200. That's 262-544-1200. That is our friends from Skipper Buds. We'll be back with your phone calls and news coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back, hour number three of the Bill Michael Show. As we uh, talk about playoff possibilities, the Green Bay Packers place in it. Another tough one coming up this Sunday, Lambeau Field. New Year's Day as we get into the new season and uh, new year, hopefully with the Packers efforting continuously towards the postseason. Joining us now, the voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larrabee, will be on the call. Wayne, how you doing, pal? Good. How you doing, Bill? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, so, look, it's the improbable. Nobody thought it would happen. It was uh, like a very long light at the end of a very long tunnel. But here we are. Packers need to get two wins and a little bit of help. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in the postseason. Give me your thoughts how this team has played over the last couple of weeks. As Aaron Rodgers brought it up yesterday, saying, people say, yeah, we beat two bad teams in the Bears and the Rams. And Tua kind of gave us the game. But they're winning football games right now. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I think he's right, uh, obviously, um, you know, winning games. And, and, you know, they were losing games earlier this year to teams that everyone thought they should be blowing out. And and as we found, uh, the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders are a lot better teams than we gave them credit for earlier this year, and they've proven to be such. And right, currently right now they are the playoff teams at the bottom of the NFC bracket. And hopefully that changes in the next two weeks, but uh, at any rate, uh, the Packers are playing better, and primarily they're getting turnovers, takeaways on defense. In the last eight games, they have 15 takeaways. That's second to the NFL over that period of time. 
Um, they're plus four on the turnover table in that uh, eight-game run, and thus they're back to even on the turnover table. They've been on the uh, negative side of the turnovers uh, all season long. So that's one thing that's quite obvious as to what they're doing better. So uh, Rodgers had talked about some of the guys to be recognized. He wanted Lazard recognized, Big Dog recognized, uh, Keyshawn Nixon recognized. He talked about winning pedigree and guys know how to win. I, look, I get it. He really likes Lazard and what he brings to the table, but the dynamic force still is Christian Watson, and I think Randall Cobb is somewhat underrated this year and has had a hell of a season. But what does Lazard bring that he admires and likes so much? Well, I think he uh, admires the fact that Lazard does a lot of things besides catch the football, um, especially blocking in the running game, that type of thing. Um, Rodgers can pretty much count on Lazard to be where he needs to be. And um, I think that's something that's a trust factor he has, not just with Allen, but obviously with Randall Cobb more than anyone else. Um, But Lazard has had, you know, it's interesting because he's been the most targeted receiver this year for the Packers. And, you know, when Rodgers targets him, um, you know, his passer rating is 78.2. Lazard has five drops, 5.7 drop percentage this year. 74.5% of his receptions do result in a first down. I think that's something Aaron really likes. Um, 51 receptions, 38 first downs for Lazard this year. Um, He is their second leading receiver in terms of catches and leading receiver in yardage at 688 yards, five touchdowns. I think the number one thing about Alan Lazard is that Rodgers can count on him being where he needs to be uh, as, at a crucial time. The uh, the offense seems to be a little bit better, seems to be flowing. I, I know that uh, you know Rodgers had talked about the possibility of uh, David Bakhtiari coming back this week. My question is with Bakhtiari, you know, at the end of the season, obviously they're going to have some decisions to make. But when he's played, Wayne, I, and I listen to you guys, you and Larry, he's played well. It's noticeable when he is in there how well he has played. Absolutely. Pro Football Focus, and we get a lot of our information in terms of scouting from Pro Football Focus because obviously your team is not going to tell you what they're, how they're rating these players or, or ranking them. But David Bakhtiari is graded out very high by Pro Football Focus when he's been in there. And so he can still play. Uh, there's no question about that. And I think he was one, he's one of the reasons why this offense has come along. Uh, the biggest reason is Christian Watson and the way he can blow the top off a of defense. And that's an element they did not have earlier this year and is a big reason why they've been able to win uh, four of their last six games. So, uh, But, uh, hey, listen, David Bakhtiari and the offensive line stabilizing in the last eight weeks of the season has been a subtle key to the turnaround. Now we get ready to go in and take on this Minnesota team, and it's hard for me to pick the Packers to win because of what Minnesota did to them in the first game, and there's certain things throughout this season that we just can't unsee. However, the defense for this Minnesota team, I mean, their point differential for a 12-win team is only five. And this team gives up the fifth most uh, points in all of football. I would expect almost, uh, I don't want to say a shootout, but maybe something like a 33-30-33-27 type of game at Lambeau Field coming up on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I I think I'd take the over if I were a betting man on this game. You know, certainly Minnesota can move the football. I mean, they're seventh in scoring. Um, you know, what's interesting about Minnesota is they're 28th in rushing, but it's only because they're they're not running the ball a whole lot. Uh, 23.1 uh, attempts per game. When you've got Dalvin Cook behind, you know, your quarterback, I would think. But a lot of times they're coming from behind, and that means you're going to throw the football a little bit more. Defensively, Ed Donatello is the defense coordinator. I think he's an excellent defense coordinator, and they have talent. 
But for whatever reason, teams do hit them for big plays. And I think where they really struggle, Bill, is not so much on the front seven, okay? I think they struggle on the back end to cover people. And that's been a big problem for them. They've had some injuries there. Cameron danzler has been in and out of the lineup. Duke Shelley, who was picked off off the Bears practice squad earlier this year, he's now kind of starting. Chandon Sullivan is their nickel uh, cornerback. Patrick Peterson uh, is as old as original sin, but just as great as fine wine. He's having a nice year. But a guy you can beat downfield, as we saw the first week of the season when uh, Christian Watson beat him on the first play of the game for the Packers offense. Um, so uh, they have some issues in that secondary. Harrison Smith has been uh, in and out of the lineup of late. Uh, he's a big key back there. And, uh, you know, that's been their problem up front. The front seven is excellent. Smith and Hunter with 10 sacks apiece. The inside linebackers are outstanding. Kendricks and Hicks. And I like the big people they have up front. Harrison Phillips is a nice addition to this line. Dallin Tomlinson up front. You know, James Lynch is serviceable. They have good people on this defense, but they have not been able to stop people. That's for sure. I know that, uh, you know, obviously there's a concern over Christian Watson and that hip injury. Do we get this? Because Rogers alluded to the fact that he thought Bakhtiari was coming back but didn't talk about anybody else. Do we know if uh, Christian Watson, if it was just kind of a tweak and they're going to play him this week, or do you have any idea as to what they're going to do? No, I don't. Um, and I don't think you should pay attention to injury um, reports until Friday because all of it is a lot of subterfuge. In, uh, in, in, right. in these injury reports in the National Football League. So if anybody's even dinged up it on the report, they'll mark him as partial participant and then questionable, and it's all a big charade to try to keep the other side off guard. But um, the Vikings are, play, are planning on Christian Watson playing, and I think the Packers are hoping he can as well, obviously. And he's a big part of it. He is huge. If he's not on the field, uh, that offense doesn't have that dimension. I mean, hey, he should have had a 37-yard touchdown pass if A-Rod doesn't overthrow him in Miami the other day. So mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping he can play because I think they're going to need him, and I, he can blow the top off this Minnesota secondary. What did we learn from the first meeting? It was the first game of the season. It was like a, a, it was a Super Bowl atmosphere inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Place was loud. They've got an incredible production there. It was just like nuts. It was off the hook. And then they come out, and Justin Jefferson just ate them up. What did we learn from the first game going into this game coming up on Sunday? Well, you better know where Justin Jefferson is at all times. I would say <laughs> right. from when he goes to bed on Saturday night to when he gets off the bus on Sunday, you better know where he is. Um, I think, and again, when I look back on that first game, Bill, the one thing, and it surprised me in the final stats, too, I thought the Packers didn't get after Kirk Cousins as well as they probably should have in that ball game. Um, you know, they had just one sack in the game. Uh, they had eight quarterback hits, which surprised me. Uh, four tackles for loss in that game. But again, just the one sack. I thought they they did not really threatened um, Kirk Cousins. They didn't uh, close the pocket on him. This is a guy uh, who has been hit more than any other quarterback in the league, Bill. 78 quarterback hits on Kirk Cousins. He is as courageous a quarterback as there is in this league. He stands in there and he takes the hit and delivers the football. The Giants blitz the daylights out of him. Do you realize the Giants are the number one blitz uh, operation in the league at 40% blitz rate? The Packers are number two. They're up in the 30s in terms of their blitz rate. Mm-hmm. And that's because they don't have Rashawn Gary to close the pocket. So they have to do some blitzing. And it'll be interesting to see what happens here this weekend because 
Uh, I got a feeling the Packers are going to try to put some pressure on Cousins with some blitzes, and they're going to have to do that because I thought in the first game he just uh, he was back there doing whatever he needed to do. Twenty three of thirty two, two seventy seven, two touchdowns. Never threatened in that game. Uh, we know Dean Lowry now. His season has come to an end. Uh, I got to admit, Devontae Wyatt looked pretty sharp in that game against Miami, but now he actually gets the start. They start preparing for him. They start looking at his tape. Give me your thoughts on Devontae Wyatt uh, as that first-round draft choice now getting his opportunity. Yeah, you know, the big guys, um, especially those that play close to the football, as he does on the defensive line, sometimes they take a little longer. Um, to get up to speed and to make an impact in their rookie season. And I think now we're into December now. We're into late December, and it's nice to see this kid start getting some reps and get in there. That's the only way he's going to get better is for him to get in there and, get, and experience it. Um, you know, you can talk about practice all you want, but at this time of year, practice is mostly walkthrough. It's mostly mental. There's not a lot of physical aspect to it. So for this kid to develop now, he's got to get his opportunities. Uh, excellent quickness um, uh, on the defensive line. That's what the scouts raved about when he was drafted. And we've seen a little bit of that on occasion here, that quickness, that quick twitch athlete that he is. I think he's going to make a difference up front and he gets his opportunity and Minnesota will be uh, preparing for him. No doubt about that, but this is what you want to see from your first round draft choice. Talking with Wayne Larry, the voice of the Green Bay Packers, at Wayne Larry over on Twitter. Wayne, the argument is that uh, the Miami Dolphins and Tua basically gave the game to the Green Bay Packers. I thought the Packers did things differently. They covered a little bit better. They stuffed the run in the second half of that ballgame. As much as we want to talk about Tua coming into a concussion protocol, uh, how much credit do you give to the defense for just playing better versus Tua having this concussion and suddenly playing in a fog and just throwing the game away? Yeah, well, number one, it didn't appear to me watching his press conference after the game that he was in any kind of fog, and he didn't think so either. So, um, you know, hey, I'm sure that when he was in that game, he was fine, 100% fully engaged. Made a couple of bad throws, and the Packers made a couple of good plays on uh, those throws. Uh, but I thought the turnover um, that uh, Jaron Reed forced, the fumble uh, that he forced on the pass rush, uh, late in the first half, kind of started to turn the tide of that ball game, Bill. Gave the Packers an opportunity to get a field goal to the end of the first half. Then they come out with that seven-minute drive to start the second half and uh, get back into the game and tie the game with that touchdown drive. I think from there on, things really changed. And it was great to see because, you know, the formula the Packers used in the second half was exactly the formula um, that the 49ers, that the Chargers, and that the Buffalo Bills used in beating Miami. And that was ball control. You, you run more plays. You keep your offense on the field. You grind it out against them. Why? Because you're not going to stop that passing attack. You're not going to stop those receivers, okay? Let's be honest. Nobody's going to stop them. But the way you beat them is to take them off the field, and that's what the Packers did. Time of possession, 18.07 of the second half. They ran 33 plays to 21 for Miami in the second half of that game. Now, the turnovers were a big reason why they were able to do that. But time of possession, that's the way you defend Miami. You keep uh, those receivers off the field. I know. Before I let you go, you said you'd probably take the over in this game. But what? Uh, give me a couple of keys, a couple of things that the Packers have to do, have to do well, and have to do against uh, Minnesota to keep them, uh, keep them victorious this coming weekend. Well, you've got to pressure Cousins, I think, number one, and, and make him uncomfortable. And that was the thing in the first game I didn't think they were able to do. Uh, eight quarterback hits, it, but it never looked like Cousins was uncomfortable in that game. They've got to do that now. 
Uh, number two, Justin Jefferson. Um, whatever you do, I think you put a safety over the top of him. The problem is K.J. Osborne's out there, and he's underutilized in this offense. And then the, Dolph- uh, the uh, Dolphins, the, Miami, uh, the Minnesota Vikings have put that deal with Detroit. Uh, they fleeced them for T.J. Hawkinson, and this gives Minnesota an all-pro presence at tight end that they haven't had since the heyday of Kyle uh, Rudolph, and that's made a big difference for their offense. And the last thing you've got to do defensively, you've got to, take, you've got to make uh, Dalvin Cook work for his yardage. He's not having as explosive a year as he's had in the past, but we've seen what he can do at Lambeau Field against the Packers. Offensively, you, you can't be turning the ball over, and in the red zone, score touchdowns, not field goals. Um, this could be a, shot, a shootout. And you darn well better be scoring touchdowns when you're in the red zone and in goal-to-go situations. Yeah, no doubt. I, this team has not been great in the red zone here as of late. Uh, good stuff as always, Wayne. I'll see you up at Lambeau on Sunday. Okay, appreciate it, and have a great new year. Look forward to it, Bill. You too. Talk to you soon. There you go. The voice of the uh, Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larrabee, joining us for a couple of minutes. And uh, he's right. I mean, obviously pressure for Cousins. Cousins is prone to mistakes. Two, Justin Jefferson, you got to know where he's at at all times. Three, you, you got to run a better offense. You got to be able to score in the red zone. When you get down there, these these drives that you get the ball handed to you at uh, the 40, the 50, inside their territory, and all you can do is pick up one first down and everything begins to stall, you can't do it. You've got to score touchdowns. Uh, the Packers have come a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further each and every week. Now it's time to start putting the ball into the end zone. If they can do that and do that with consistency, then this team becomes a whole different force going into the postseason. Good stuff from our friend, friend Wayne Larrabee. 877 This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at New Mail Medical. Treating guys, ED, all over the state, well beyond the borders as well. And if you got it, you know it. If you're a partner of somebody who has it, you know it. Call them, 414-455-4451. If, by chance, you're sitting there right now going, geez, I couldn't even get out of bed today to go to the gym. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to walk. I don't want to go up and down the stairs. I don't even want to go to the bathroom because it would involve me standing up. Could be just tired, low T, whatever. Don't just say it's the holidays. If you're over the age of 30, go get your numbers checked. Takes you maybe about 10 minutes. Or if you're sitting there going, you know what? I just ate a whole pie. And if you saw my piece of pumpkin pie on the, uh, the, the Facebook side of things where you couldn't really see the pie, it was just more whipped cream than anything, and you had a couple pieces like that this, uh, this, this holiday season, and you're thinking, whew, come Monday, whew, I'm not even going to be able to see my belt, call them, 414-455-4451. That's 414-455-4451. That's the New Mail Medical Center. Anywhere within the sound of my voice, call that phone number, 414 455 Four four five one, and they can help, but they can't help you if you don't call. More of the Bill Michael Show now. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.